Welcome to today's Life Coach Pod. I am so happy to have you here with us today. We have a guest from across the sea. She is in Germany and it is late there and that's how much she believes in what we're gonna talk about today. So let's get things started. Of course, you know I'm gonna give you an update on the Chirpensteins who are the house finches that have nested. And, and for those of you that don't know, I actually had to do modifications to create a place that would sell. They were just checking out the real estate at first, but I put this box up there and it seemed to change everything. And so we are now at day 15. They are going to fledge any minute. And I've said this before, but they literally see me coming and they duck. They just do this little duck and cover thing that they've done here. And so these little squirrels, I could only find four of them in this shot. I think one of them is under the other in the back. But I suspect any day now, especially with the length of their feathers and how good they're getting at doing their preening, it's a, it's a zoo up there watching it during the day. They just freeze the minute I come up for a photo. It's, I must, the iPhone must be a thing for them. I think you know, my other, other mother, although the iPhone never feeds them. So that's how the chirps are doing. Today we have Julie Leonard with us. He's going to talk about being happy on purpose, people. This is possible. This is coming on a good day for me because today's been a little tough. Some days during this pandemic are just a little harder than others. And so Julie's going to take us through that. But first, as usual, I want to start with just a few fun facts about happiness. And you may or may not know this, but there was a big study done that says that happiness depends on really two things, the things you can control and the things that you cannot. And no matter where I looked, this study was repeated over and over again. So I, I, I don't know, but I suspect it's probably a good study. And what it shows here, for those of you who can't see the pictures, is 50% of your happiness belongs to something you can't control. It, it, it's in the world of genetics. So you just have, I would expect, had I read this study, which I should do, is that it's about temperament and your resilience and those things that you can tell certain families and certain people just have it and you can see it in their whole family because they're all a bunch of happy damn people that are all together genetics a genetic component component but here's the thing it's not a life sentence because 50 percent of who you are and how you experience happiness is something you can control and I bet that's what Julie talks about today because it has to do with your circumstances. And that's only 10%. So don't get too bogged down in that. That's only 10% of what happiness is affected by your circumstances, which for all of us in this pandemic right now, oh, hello, it's a shared circumstance. So we can all kind of just throw that one out. We are, we're all here. So we've got to move with what we have 40% control over. 40%, guys, that's a lot of control over this and has to do with your internal state of mind. 40%, not quite half, but I'm gonna make you throw out circumstances because we're all screwed right now. So as we dig into this, it's interesting, different people have played with the idea of happiness and what affects our mood. And there was the Happiness Institute in, in 2016. So I know I talked fast, I said the Happiness Institute did a Facebook experiment. And I just found this interesting because I often think, God, social media, if I get on Twitter before bed, ugh, it's just, I don't know why I do it. I'm an extrovert who's trapped right now. It's got to be why. But the, what they found in the Facebook experiment is that they asked nearly 1,100 people to stop using Facebook. Just stop for a week. After a week, 88% said they were happy. 81% 
said they compared to 81% before the experiment. So they improved happiness by 7% by just being on Facebook for one week. Their level of worry though, this is really interesting. Their level of worry went from 54%. So before the study, they said that 54% said, I am worried. After a week, 41%. Guys, that's a 13% decrease. That's statistically significant if you think about it because that's a, a, a big number. You always gotta allow for some plus or minus, but that's a, that is enough to tell you that Facebook is increasing your worry. Well, okay, I just did a thing that you're not supposed to do. I'm gonna tell you there's a correlation. I'm not gonna tell you there's a causation. Welcome to grad school. That was an interesting class. Anyway, if you look at what they decide, if what people said about themselves prior to Facebook, before they did the study, 56% said they were decisive. When they came back after getting off Facebook, they were 61% said they were decisive. So Facebook is even making you question yourself. And then, I mean, is correlated with making you question yourself. And then, of course, enjoying life. Before the study, 75% said they were enjoying life. After one week of being on Facebook, 84% said they were enjoying life. And the last one, which is really important, especially right now when we're isolated, and I would love to see this study run right now because I, I wonder if it would tell a different story at all. But prior to the study, 25% said they feel lonely. After the study, after people got off Facebook for one week, guys, 16% said they felt lonely. So we see a 9% drop in loneliness. Now, right now, like I said, it's weird times. And I think it has a lot to do with what Julie will talk about in our intention. And I see on Facebook a lot of people trying to lift each other up, which I think is probably one of the most positive things about Facebook right now that I've experienced. And, and I was an early adopter. There's also a great study called The Science of Happiness. You can go look up this infographic. I encourage you to do so because it's worth looking at and thinking about. This is a giant infographic. And what you want to Google is the science of happiness infographic. If they looked at, they put together some different statistics of studying people, um, different studies and assembled this beautiful infographic. But what they, one of the things they looked at is the power of sleep and how you retain negativity. So we're talking about being happy, right? But one of the things you got to do is get the negative thoughts out of your head. They studied college kids, sleep-deprived college kids, and with sleep deprivation, remembering negative words was 81%. 81% of students remembered negativity as they were sleep-deprived, with only 31% remembering positivity. So that right there is probably a, a rabbit hole we could go down and have a whole show about, because this idea of retaining the negative Everybody knows it only takes like one negative thing to make you feel down and everybody's paid you compliments all day, but you remember the one that said, but your hem is uneven and you sit there thinking about it all day. Like, what was I thinking that I left the house with the uneven hem? Why do we do that as humans? I don't know, but we do. So get some sleep. And second of all, around the world, this is so significant. Consumerism is the biggest suppressant of happiness. And this one I think is really interesting, and I'm going to ask Julie about this a little bit in a few minutes, because I think there's this assumption that we've all been locked up, and the thing that's making us miserable is that we can't go out and shop. I don't think that's it, guys. I don't think that's it. Not when we know that what suppresses happiness is consumerism, so we'll talk about that. And then just two more fun facts to put in your brain as we start this discussion. Also from the Science of Happiness infographic, 
exercise releases proteins and endorphins. I swear to God, I don't know if I've ever had an endorphin from exercise and I've had personal trainers try because God knows my whole life has been about weight loss. But I do know, I do know that it does help me sleep better, puts me in a better mood. If I choose a good podcast, I'm even happier <clears throat> or if it's music. So if you, if you look at this infographic, you'll see an illustration that shows how much the brain is activated by walking. So that is the one thing we can all do. And I happen to have a friend who's in lockdown in prison because of the coronavirus. And what is he doing every day? He's pacing because that's the one thing he knows that will keep him from losing his mind as he's trapped in his little cell with no exit privileges because they're trying really hard to keep them from getting sick. He paces and paces and paces. So don't tell me you can't walk. You can walk. You can jump. You can do something. And finally, and I love this, except this is our problem, right? The two biggest factors that contribute to happiness around the world, a sense of community and frequent community celebrations. So it's interesting because I think if we've watched what's happened in this pandemic, the one thing we've seen is our attempts to create this kind of community celebration. I don't know a lot of, about it, but I know Barack Obama is going to be part of a virtual graduation for all the kids who are graduating from school this in June. That's a way to have a celebration when you can't really have one. Birthday parties have been on Zoom, which is pretty cool in some way. I mean, there's a lot we're missing, the hugs, the kisses, the laughter, the joy, the body language, the whole thing that happens when we're together. But it's that sense of community. I know it's one of the things that um, that almost compelled me to do this podcast is I just needed to see somebody every day. I needed to talk to a new person. I need to learn stuff. That's how I thrive. So there are lots of ways you can find community and these uh, celebrations, but you're just going to be a little bit different, but it's key to happiness. So if you're isolating and not participating, it's on you. Time to step up. Got to find a way to participate somehow, some way in what's happening around you. Okay, with that, that's just a little bit of an overview of the concept of happiness and the consequences and upside of happiness. And Julie Leonard is here today from across the pond, as we say, to talk about how to be happy on purpose. Julie, welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm so excited you're here. Hi, Jen. I'm so happy to meet you and to be here. And thank you so much for inviting me to talk about something I am so passionate about, which is happiness. So how did you get started? What started you down this path? Because I know it's been a lifelong pursuit, right? It has, it has. I've been doing this now for 30 years, so a really long time, my whole life. Um, I guess where it starts is that um, it'd be a surprise to most people who talk to me, but I used to be very, very shy and very, very anxious. I grew up in a house that... Um, my father, um, who's now 84, was incredibly depressed my whole life growing up. And nothing that he did overtly towards me, but just by virtue of how he was, and we didn't really talk about it. Um, I grew up with a lot of limiting beliefs, so I really internalized a lot of stuff. And I grew up believing I wasn't good enough, that I had no opinion of worth. I had a, believe, nothing to do with that, but I had a really strong sense that I was very ugly and very unattractive and not a nice person. So um, I struggled with that throughout all of my years. Even when I went to university, I couldn't even walk across the canteen to meet my friends because I was so nervous and so self-conscious. So 
it was really tricky for me. Um, but it's no surprise that I studied psychology. I had to go and make sense of everything and, you know, work out what was going on. So I studied psychology and that's where it all started. It just all made sense to me of just this fascination of wanting to understand how we become the people that we are. And from there, I studied uh, working in mental health services in Scotland. I come from Scotland, as you can tell by my accent. And, uh, and so I had the real great privilege of working in um, mental health services by actually going out into women's homes, to be able to get into their homes and talk to them. And I was able to connect and empathize with them because I related to a lot of what they were telling me because of my own experience. And um, every time I went into someone's house now, I really believe that you can recover from whatever has been happening for you. Um, what does recovery mean to you? What does that mean? They would always say, I want to be happy. You know, it took different, you know, aspects of that, but overall people said, I want to be happy. And I would look at, well, how do we get there? What do we need to break that down to? What are the goals we need to do? What would it be, take for you to be happy? So I've really sort of, always worked in this field, always worked with women. I did a lot of work with women who had experienced trauma. That was a big part of the work that I did. And really seeing people as human beings, not a label, not someone who was, um, you know, a victim of trauma or abuse, but just seeing that individual and believing that you don't have to be defined by what's happened to you, not in any way to diminish any of the experiences that people have. But you don't have to be you know, stuck by that or contained by that, that you can create the life that you want to be and be the person that you want to be, that you can change. And over my years, 30 years of working, I've seen tremendous change. I've worked with well over a thousand women now. I've done it to myself as well, as you can tell. I'm not quite that shy, quiet <laughs> girl anymore. <laughs> people, the first thing I noticed about you is radiate. Like you just radiate like this inner beauty i mean you're beautiful but you radiate oh, this inner you. beauty which i think comes from that life satisfaction and that yeah. change that you were able to make which i think a lot of people can relate to that feeling especially growing up with a depressed parent feeling not worthy not mm -hmm. knowing how to trust for your to like the mirror you grew up looking at was your father looking at you with his sadness it wasn't about you he just was really yeah. sad but it, it became your mirror. So seeing how vibrant you look and then knowing yeah. how you've been able to go out and tell the story is amazing. Yeah. To me. Like it yeah. is, it is not who you are. I mean, I love what you said. It's not who you are. It's something that you've lived through, but it doesn't define you. It's not what you're going to yeah. put on your resume. <laughs> but it's so important, isn't it? Because my experience was to go out and work with women who were told you are an anxious person, you are a depressed person, you have a personality disorder, you have whatever. And I'm like, no, you're not. This is, you know, you have issues because of the life that you've had. I would, you know, build a relationship and people would share their stories and you think, no wonder you feel the way you feel now. Look what you've lived through, look what you've experienced. Um, and that's not, you are this beautiful woman in front of me. You're not that label and I feel really passionate that we don't have to accept this is who I am I think we're often just told well this is who you are you know and I don't believe that I believe that we can really curate the life that we want and change the things that 
hold us back, keep all the beautiful things that we have, but change some of the stuff that, you know, doesn't serve us anymore or is stopping us being the most incredible person that we can be or to live to our full potential. So that's my belief. Okay, so now I'm cynical and I say, how nice for you that you have that belief. It sounds so easy, <laughs> but it's really hard. Is it really hard or is there, are there tricks to this? Are, I mean, I don't mean like shortcut. I just mean mindsets or ways to be. Absolutely. And, you know, I didn't just wake up one day and be like, oh, I think I'll just be happy the whole time. Yeah. And of course, right. I am right. not, I am not in this happiness bubble every second of every day. I think um, when we talk about happiness, we're talking about mostly about resilience, about having this core inner strength and this uh, ability to think positively so that we can cope with things that happen to us. So it's not that just everything's just amazing all the time. But I think also what is really important, and you, you touched on that at your first slide with Sonia's work there, that, yeah, there's certain things that are maybe slightly more fixed, you know, your genetics, your predisposition to be pessimistic, that kind of idea. But a huge part of it is not fixed. And now we have science that backs that up. So I work with women all the time who they want to be different, they want to be happier. But you know that, and I'm sure you know that yourself, that when you're in that place where you're feeling stuck and you're limited by your beliefs and your thoughts, it's really hard to imagine that you could ever be that person. That happens to other people, but probably not for you. So first and foremost, yes, you know, we are both living proof that you can be different, you can be happy, you can overcome so many things. But also science tells us that, you know, research tells us that, that we can change our brains. There is a whole concept, I'm sure you've already covered this and, and your stuff is neuroplasticity. We can change our brains. We can make it think differently. So we can train ourselves to be less negative and way more positive. And I think when you have that backing you, that's really helpful. And of course, within that, there's a whole range of tools that we can use in order to change how we think and how we feel. So that's super important because I think I, I've been depressed. Anybody's been depressed and you feel stuck down. Mm -hmm. You can't take in new information. You just feel like I, and you, and you give no, you know what, it's like, you don't care at all. Mm -hmm. And I think the idea that <clears throat> knowing that you can talk to your own brain and you can work with your own brain and what I think a lot of people forget is as you start to change, it's going to be reflected back on you. So as, as if you start to manifest change, the kids might notice, your partner might notice, your friends will be like, hey, and suddenly you'll start to get a little bit of positive reinforcement. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying you may or may not need medication. That's between you and your doctor. But the idea of that just being very rational about it, I can change the what's happening here. I don't have to do it tomorrow. It's not going to happen overnight. And that I will get positive feedback, like it will feed me so that it will gain some momentum. It's not every day is going to feel like you're lifting a rock. Sometimes it'll be a pebble. Sometimes the, you'll already have it, you'll be throwing it down the street because you'll be that happy. Like it just, but it's not, it's not going to happen overnight. No, it takes time, you know. It's an ongoing process for myself, you know. It's, you've got to keep training your brain. You've got to keep work on, working on it and you know, life throws different curveballs at us all the time. So we're constantly got to bounce back and deal with things. So 
is definitely ongoing. But it's that little baby steps and all that consistency does build up. And you're quite right. I do this with my clients all the time. And when you take those little steps and you start to do little changes and you push yourself, and I like to call it how we, um, I like to say rather than like getting out of your comfort zone, which is just a horrible place to go, I, I like to talk about expanding my comfort zone. I like to expand myself and my comfort zone. So I, I encourage my clients to just gradually just expand, you know, let's just grow that comfort zone. And as you do that and you test the water and you try things, you're absolutely right. You start to get that feedback. First of all, most of the things that you've worried about that are going to go wrong don't actually go wrong. And in fact, it's usually the opposite and lots of really amazing, cool stuff happens. And that gives you a bit more confidence. And then you do a bit more and a bit more. And yet getting support, getting help to, to unlock that negative thinking, let go of those limiting beliefs. That's the crux of the work that I do is like really getting in there. What's all this stuff that's in there that's that inner critic that's holding you back? That, that stuff, once you work on that, that really pushes you forwards. So yeah. say a little more about that, because I think, you know, I know what a limiting belief is because I actually went and learned what one is. I think <laughs> I didn't realize until somebody put a label on it. But the idea of when you just said expanding your comfort zone and you don't get negative feedback, it's typically because it was the limiting beliefs that were controlling what you thought was going to happen. So what what is, give me an example of a limiting belief. Sure. So like we're all made up of so many influences and experiences. So you had in your first slide, you had that 10% of circumstances. So there's so much that shapes us as we're growing up. We are told things, we are you know, told things by you know, our parents and really important people and friends and teachers and all these people who sometimes say things very directly to you or sometimes say things inadvertently, like in my case, or quite directly in some other cases that I had, you know. There's so many things that shape us, our culture, so much stuff all shapes us. And what we do is we end up having this inner dialogue in our brain, you know, that voice that you can hear all the time. Oh, yeah. And yeah, yeah, the one that sometimes we wish we could just take our brain out and have a break from. You know, we've all got that voice. Sometimes it's very loud and sometimes it's quite quiet. But we all have this inner dialogue, and often there's a negative dialogue in there. And for many people, they're not even aware of it. And this is the big issue. It's yeah. so automatic thinking. You know, the person that always negates a sentence before they say something. I know this sounds stupid, but you know, that kind Ooh, of stuff. That's a yeah. Big one. yeah. When I hear a woman, especially, sorry, a woman, because men don't say that. I don't think I, yeah. I, I don't think it's, it's got to be rare that I, because yeah. maybe men don't talk at all if they feel that way. That might even be that huge. But women yeah. say that crap all the yeah, time. And it makes me so mad. Like, no, you have a voice, you have a brain. What is it? Say it. I used to say it all the time. I would make jokes all the time just because obviously that's what people think of me. So we have all these thoughts. It's often things like, I'm not good enough. I am stupid. You know, I'm not worthy. You know, I have nothing to offer. I have nothing of importance. Those are, you know, the kind of thoughts that people have. I'm not smart. I've got nothing to offer anyone. I'm unlovable who would love me, I'm ugly, you know, there's lots of that. The overall one that most people have is that I'm not good enough, you know? So this is what we're telling ourselves all the time, you know? So I give you a compliment and you, and you go, oh, thanks. And in your head, you're going, she doesn't really mean that. She's just being nice to me, you know, because, you know, I'm not a nice person. You know, it's that dialogue that comes. 
but most of the time we're not even aware that it's coming it's just there so I like to draw attention to that that's what I do it's like listen to the language you know and so we have all these thoughts that are there all the time that really keep us stuck and keep us in a certain place because we don't believe we're able to do more than that and that creates these limiting beliefs that this is as good as I can be. This is as wonderful as I can be, or this is all I can have in life. And um, I don't believe that. I don't believe that's fixed. I know it's not fixed. You know, your slide told you that, you know, it's not fixed. But we, we how often do we say, oh, this is just who I am. You know, this is the kind of person I am. Yeah. We accept this is it, you know. And I'm saying to you, you don't have to accept that. You don't have to think this is me you know, I am an anxious person or I'm a negative person or this is all I can have in life. That's not true. There's you know, so much within your control. It's so important to me. What you're saying is so important to me because I think women, men too, men, anyway, humans, parents, anybody who has a relationship with other people, any human out there, not only are these limiting beliefs really effing with your own head, but the thing is, once you start to be aware you start changing how you talk to others because you don't want to ever give somebody else a limiting belief. Like you start to make that pivot into, no, I want to empower people. I want them to see the goodness in them. I want them to know I appreciated that thing. So this idea mm -hmm. of grasping this concept, not only does it help you repair yourself, but it has this incredible power to pay it forward so that your kids you're not going to raise brats. Like that's a limiting belief, right? If you are positive about your kids, you're going to raise brats. That's some crap in your head. If you see your kids excelling and you tell them why they're excelling and what you appreciate about them, that's only going to make them have confidence and feel happy, which is, I mean, to me, that the, the, this thing doesn't exist alone. Just because you have a personal struggle, you're connected. We're all connected. Have you seen in the women? I'm so impressed that you work in people's houses because I think that must have also told <laughs> you so much about the people that you counsel these women. Yeah. But have you seen them, them then ripple that out, like pay it forward, that it changes how they parent, how they be a daughter, how they do everything? Massively. I've worked with women, you know, from the depths of despair, you know, not wanting to be here anymore, not thinking they're worthy of anything to completely transforming their lives and you know going out there finding new relationships working you know contributing to society being happy being positive you know really turning their lives around and the ripple effect is huge you know that you know that think simply like you know the conversation we have now it's just so lovely to have a conversation and to meet you and so you know that has an effect we affect each other we'll come off this call and it'll be midnight for me over here in Germany and I'll be like, you know, buzzing because yeah. I'm like, that was really great. I feel so positive. And, you know, think of the times when you have felt good and then, you know, you, you attract things to you, don't you? So it has a huge ripple effect. And I really wanted to touch on something that you've mentioned there about um, like how you speak to other people because that's how you want to interact with them. A great clue about whether you're you know, quite negative is to think about what you tell yourself and ask yourself, would you say that to someone else? Because it's incredible when I get in there and I hear what people say, and I know I still do it at times for myself, of course, you know, like I ask people, 
whatever you're just thinking about yourself, would you ever say that to anybody else on this planet? You know, would you ever talk to your best yeah. friend that way? You know, like how we talk to ourselves is often atrocious, you know, really quite nasty. Yeah, <laughs> no, know? it's And I use those words strong. You're really, you would never speak to another human being that way. Yet we talk to ourselves with such harshness and criticism. And so that's a great clue. You know, ask yourself, would I say this to someone else? And how can I talk to myself in that way? Because as soon as you're doing that in yourself and you're conducting yourself in a positive and happy and compassionate way, that affects other people. And the more you do that with other people, the more return you get. It's that whole law of attraction, isn't it? Well, and it's so powerful because I have, I've been beating myself up over something that I haven't done yet which everybody here knows I haven't gotten my taxes done yet, which is in my mind, a terrible, the crime of the century. I know exactly why there's really good reasons why, but the critic in me, cause I'm not supposed to be a fuck up, right? I'm supposed to be the person who gets stuff done. That's Jen Carroll. She gets stuff done. I didn't. So that mm. critical parent comes in and I hear like, Oh no, you're not getting it done. But the, but you're right. I would never ever talk to anybody else the way I've talked to myself. I would be like, no, you need help or what's preventing you or what's going on there? What, why are you stuck? Why aren't you getting it done? Which yeah, is, yeah, exactly. It's just that pivot because that's how you approach someone with compassion, right? You just like, okay, so it's hard. I mean, no kidding. It's hard. It is hard. Like, mm -hmm. what can I do to help you? That's normally what we would say to someone else. And, and if I could just, I mean, in listening to you, I'm like, oh, I need to approach this so differently. I've just been, we've talked about on this podcast, we've talked about the two kinds of energy and that there's this unproductive energy that's really negative. And then there's this productive energy that can really spur you forward. And you're right. When I sit down and get in that unproductive energy and just feel like I'm a victim and I'm really a fuck up, I don't want to do, it's like, it makes it harder, right? It's really disabling, isn't it? It really just zaps all your energy. But you yes. know, like one, one of those key things is if you want to learn to become happier is to practice self-compassion, to really learn what self-compassion is. You know, you, I know a little bit about you, but already, you know, I would be like, I suspect there's probably really good reason why you haven't managed to get right into that. I know that you're in this place right now, you know, physical space because yeah, the temporary really space. big stuff going on right now. Like yes. pretty, you and know, that's exactly and so why. like, yeah, you had a murder trial, like just in arrest and murder that just knocks you sideways, but and not just any murder trial, <laughs> like a pretty significant one. And if one of the other, you know, other people there that you support and you know in your group was there and they said you know what I'm in the middle of all this and I haven't even managed my taxis you'd be like taxis <laughs> what are you talking about that's not important <laughs> you know like you're dealing with so much like what would you say to them you wouldn't go well you're a complete sweetie yeah. word you know like you would be like you wouldn't be like oh, well, you're a waste of space you know you know like what are you doing get on with it you wouldn't be doing that you'd be like well that's understandable isn't it so, so why not they, speak to yourself in that way? Exactly. So this idea of self-compassion is being one of the keys to happiness, because I, th I think that's so important. I think a lot of us forget mm. to cut ourselves some slack. Not I, I, The messages are coming around the pandemic about, you know, don't push yourself too hard or whatever. I don't think that's what we're talking about. We're really talking about the emotional messaging, the scripts we tell each other, we tell ourselves every day that keep us in down 
trapped, yeah. stuck, yeah. all the words you might want to use for all the women you've ever counseled. Like they're yeah. just trapped in their own mental cage for whatever reason. However, yeah, we are as humans. Reason, you know, it's not for no reason. That okay. happens for a reason. I think that's really important. Like, it's not because there's something wrong with you. There's not something about you, you know, and it's not true either. Let's get that bit straight, you know. It's for good reason. You've got to this point, and your thoughts have got to this point. However, we can change them. So that's the belief that you can change them. That's what's important. So yeah. having compassion for yourself, um, being aware of the, the limiting beliefs are two big, big parts. Are there any other big things that could start to make this shift when we talk about happiness? Yeah, absolutely. There's so many, but um, the whole process of like gratitude is also like a really great one. These are all things that help us really focus on more of the positive so when we're very very negative you're absolutely right if we can recognize what our thoughts are and draw awareness to the thoughts that we have and also the language that we use i listen to language all the time so you know listen yes. to the words that you're using that's important absolutely so being aware of that starting to get cut yourself some slack and talk to yourself like your own best friend a bit more would be really helpful too It'd be yeah. really nice <laughs> And then think about gratitude, thinking about the things that you are positive, you know, that you are thankful for, that are good in your life. You know, there's days that are really, really tough and there's lots of stuff that goes on. And here we are right now in the middle of something that's just so unknown for us. And um, you know, it's a very <laughs> no. difficult situation. But, you know, it, you know, in my lifetime, I've not experienced this, thankfully. You know, like it's hard to feel in control when things are so out of control and change every minute you know so but even in the midst of that there's a lot of things that we can have gratitude for and this is another tool that really helps us start to train our brain to be more positive you know we're great as human beings we've got this real negativity bias which means that we're really good at tuning in on the negative we're absolutely brilliant at saying this is my limiting belief this is my negative thought oh and here's all the evidence that supports that we're really good at ignoring this massive amount of positive stuff going on because there's one little thing that matches up with our negative thinking. So all the things that we can do that keeps training our brain to keep seeing the positive is what really helps. So the power of gratitude, super research, really easy for us to do, yet so powerful. Looking every day for the things that we are thankful for, things that we are grateful for, the good things every day, no matter how tiny they are or how big, these things help us train our brain. And we know from research, if we do that, even for like three weeks every day, which is 21 days starts to form a habit, we know the significant increase in people's happiness just by focusing on what we can be thankful for. So that's a great tool, easy one that anyone could start right now, you know, get out a notebook, think of one, two, hopefully three things that were great today. That really, really works. You know, it is something so simple too. When I was frustrated today and having kind of a crappy morning, um, I did start to think of gratitude. And I know it's simple as me loving these birds out here. Like mm -hmm. I can't, I don't, I, I, th I think that I persuaded them to move in. But no matter what, the fact is they did. And looking at them every day, knowing they're going to fledge pretty soon, but that I'm so grateful because it's 
Like I thought if she can sit on those eggs, I can sit in this house. Like this, I have everything. <laughs> like I have everything. I, I don't mm. want for anything other than I don't want a pandemic. I mean, that's when you think about it, that's all I don't want right now is I don't want a pandemic, but it is the little things. It's we have food and we have, yeah. at least I do. I have food and I have shelter and we are pretty lucky in this pandemic. We have cleaning products and soap and all kinds of stuff for most of us. I know there's still people that are struggling, but for most of us, we have a lot to be grateful for. And to your point, it doesn't even have to be that big. It can be the smallest thing. Like I woke up healthy today. Yeah. Start small. If you're, if you're in a really hard place right now, even that you wake up every day, you know, is, is a start, you know, maybe the sun shines outside. Maybe there's a small thing. Maybe a friend calls you, you know, you know, just start with the little things, look for the little things. And that really ties into being more mindful, which is another great tool. Practicing being more present is also a great antidote to negativity. You know, being able to focus more in the present and not worrying about the what ifs, like we already said, like often what you worry about doesn't come true. And we're fantastic. I'm, I've, I've been a master at this one of like the what if scenarios. If I do this, this and this, this is all going to go wrong. It'll be disaster, you know. So being able to be more present and just looking around you for the wonderful things like, you know, you could really focus on, you know, that you're here for a murder trial and then you've been put in limbo because of the pandemic. I mean, that's too, I mean, it's quite mind blowing, two huge, <laughs> unusual, extreme situations to have, to have just collided. You'd be perfectly entitled to sit in your room and wallow in that and be like, this is really not fair, but you're not, you're choosing to do this podcast, to reach out to people, to have your network and to watch those beautiful birds every day, you know? So you're finding all those moments of beauty and joy and focusing your brain on that. And I bet you lose time watching them, you know, like oh, yeah. finding I mean activities. If you want a little tip, if I could share a little tip that really works, <sighs> if you are struggling with negative thoughts, particularly if you're in lockdown and you're kind of struggling with that, finding something an activity psychologists call it a flow state we call it getting in the zone yeah okay so finding an activity you and your your beautiful little birds there you watch them i bet you can lose track of time because you're just <laughs> totally watching them but just that's ask my daughter who's like what again and i'm like sorry they're so fascinating to me right they're just amazing they are they're amazing but you know that like flow state when, yeah. So when we're, when we're worried, when we're anxious, when we're overthinking things, we're in a certain part of our brain, which is all about that. You know, it's overthinking and worry. When we go into a flow state, we get in the zone, we take our brain, we go into a different part of our brain. So we're away from that overthinking and worry. So think about if you're maybe if you, you know, you're at work and sometimes you get really lost in something and you go, oh, I've been sitting at the computer for two hours, you know, or you're looking at your birds. Great maybe more healthy if I can say that activities rather than maybe we often zone out and we do numbing behaviors yeah like going on our phones and stuff yeah but things like you know think of yoga tai chi certain sports um jigsaw puzzles mindful coloring knitting sewing I crocheting I'm gonna finish that blanket crocheting is yeah, brilliant. Right. it was beautiful but you know like things where you it's challenging enough that you have to concentrate Right. It means that you're focused in that. And even there's research that even if you do that for five minutes, 
the impact on your mental health is so huge. So if you're struggling to, to keep in the positive, doing things like that that keep you in the zone really, really works. That's why people play computer games a lot of time, because you know that way you've ever tried to talk to your kid or something who's on a computer game and they're just like, nothing, you know? Because you get in the zone, but find things that are, it's a, I always think it's a double whammy. If you can do something that um, is great for you or productive or creative. Yeah, creative. And, yeah. and it gets you into a zone and you can chill out for a while and get away from all that constant thought, then it's a great thing to do. So that's just a little tip of something that might help when we're uh, struggling with our thoughts. God, I love this. Okay, I feel like I could talk to you all day. And I would love to talk to you all day. <laughs> this, is like, this is such good stuff. But if we, as, uh, we move towards wrapping up only because of time, but if folks wanted to learn more about what you're doing, and, they, and this is, to me, I know a lot of people are struggling, and this is what coaching is about, right? It's helping people deal yeah. with some other stuff, limiting beliefs, all those kinds of things. But how can people learn more about you? Yeah, sure. Please reach out if I can offer any assistance to anybody. It's my passion. Um, I call myself a life coach and a happiness evangelist because I really want to spread the message that you can change your life. So come on over to my website, which is julieleonardcoaching.com. And over there, you can see lots of information about if you want to um, get on a little call with me and chat about how we could coach and work together, where I can help you get rid of all that stuff that's holding you back and set you free on the path of happiness. I would love to do that. Um, I have a great free quiz on there as well. Maybe that might be of interest to people, but I have a happiness quiz. A great starting point is to find out how happy you really are. So if you come over, there's a little free quiz there, which is fantastic uh, starting point for you. So I've got that there. And you also find out um, a lot of stuff about me. I run um, an online international happiness club as well. So every month we get together. In fact, we're doing it every week at the moment during the pandemic. But every month I get together with all these incredible women online from around the world. And we talk about different aspects of happiness. That's all free. You can come on over and join me there. So oh, I also so have a Facebook group called The Happiness Club. Come on over and join me. Jen, I expect to see you. <laughs> well, you Come join me. Off, we started off with the lack of community. Like what makes people happy yeah. is community. And so the fact that you've put together this community is yeah. awesome. So if you're struggling with just sadness and want to start to take steps towards happiness, julieleonardcoaching.com, spelled exactly as you might expect. All of the names are just very clearly julieleonardcoaching.com. And all these resources are, there's a lot of free resources there. You can also get personal coaching if you'd like, because that might be what you need right now. So don't, it's a good time. It's a really good time to come out of this with a different frame of reference and letting go of all those limiting beliefs. I, uh, God, just that, just the idea of how limiting beliefs attack us when we least expect it. Um, I, I love everything you said. And I hope folks have, gotten some really valuable information here about how to make change. And Julie, I, I'm gonna thank you just seconds. I'll just do one more slide because I'm really encouraging folks mm -hmm. come talk with me on Twitter, which is uh, at Jay Carroll, but also really looking for subscribers right now. The way I get, if I ever, ever will be able to do much with this podcast, I need subscribers. So guys subscribe. 
please do that because I think these podcasts have been amazing. And Julie, thank you so much. You've been up late, but you're right. I get fired up now. I'm all energized. From this. <laughs> you have to figure out a way to settle down and go to bed. But this, I, I really look forward. I'm going to check out the uh, happiness and women group. I think that sounds amazing. And I, I just can't thank you enough for joining today. Thank you, Jen. Really, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for inviting me on and such a pleasure to meet you. It really is. All right, everybody. I will see you next time. Thanks for coming to the Life Coach Pod.